Hi guys and welcome back to another true crime and makeup time video. So, you know those cases that just stick with you? Well, today is one of those. I heard about this case years ago and every time I think about what case I'm going to talk about, I think of this one. Imagine you just get married, you have a beautiful wedding. And now you are married to the love of your life. Everything is perfect. You are so happy. A week after your wedding, you go on a hike. And before you know it, your husband is laying dead at the bottom of a cliff. Yeah, let's get into it. So before someone says anything, my eyes are red. My eyelids are red because I had on like blue and purple eyeshadow a few days ago and I'm still stained. Like my eyelids are still stained, so let's cover that up. Jordan Lynn Graham was born in August of 1991 and lived with her brother Michael and her parents in Kalispell, Montana. Kalispell, or Kalispell, hope I'm saying that right, is a country town in the US and in one of the most scenic areas. It's near the Glacier National Park in the heart of the Rocky Mountains. Oh my God, this area, guys, is so, so beautiful. Scary, but beautiful. Jordan grew up in an extremely religious family. She attended church weekly at the Faith Baptist Church for worship and for other events. The church played a big part in Jordan's life and she had told her friends about her dreams of one day getting married and starting a family. According to her friends, that was her biggest goal in life. She had told her friends that she wanted to meet a nice guy, get married, have a bunch of kids, be a stay-at-home mom, and just take care of her family. When Jordan was 20, just like God's perfect timing, she met 20-year-old Cody Lee Johnson. Cody was an outgoing, sweet 25-year-old guy from California originally, and he loved cars. Jordan first saw Cody briefly at a Taco Bell, one evening after church. That was the first time she ever saw him. And then on 31st October, 2011, they were introduced at a Halloween party. Jordan could see that Cody was popular, talkative, and charming. When they were introduced, they hit it off immediately and began dating. Cody, he was smitten with Jordan. And before the end of the year, they were in a serious relationship. Cody had told a friend, if I get to wake up every day under the same roof as the woman I love, I'd be happy. His friends had been saying that for the longest time, Cody would tell them how he wanted to date and meet just a nice church girl. And Jordan was just that and she fell right into his path. Cody spent a lot of time with Jordan and at her church and he quickly became friends with her friends. In terms of their personalities, they were quite different uh, Jordan was quite conservative due to her religion and she didn't believe in sex before marriage, whereas Cody, he was much more social, outgoing and open-minded. Despite this, they built a bond. They both had the same dream of getting married, raising a family together. Cody's family liked the influence Jordan had on Cody. He had now started attending church with her, but they did feel that the relationship seemed a little one-sided. They say that Cody did everything for Jordan. They, he did everything in the relationship. He did everything he could to make Jordan happy, but they didn't really see the same effort 
being put into the relationship on Jordan's part. He always wanted to hang out with her and she would always come up with an excuse not to hang out. Cody seemed madly in love with Jordan, but Jordan at times seemed a little distant towards him. They would go on dates and then she would bring company along like a friend. They would rarely go on dates, just the two of them. She would kind of always bring someone along or go on group dates. It was almost like she didn't really want to be alone with him. A friend of Jordan said that while they were dating, she had never seen Jordan act romantic towards Cody. She had never seen them hold hands, kiss, or even flirt with each other. So many of their friends were quite surprised when after just a little over a year of dating, Cody proposed to Jordan. And they were even more surprised when Jordan accepted. Cody was in love with Jordan and he saved his money to buy Jordan a beautiful ring. He proposed to Jordan in December of 2012 and Jordan posted a picture of the ring on Instagram announcing the engagement. Their friends found it a little bit weird, but they were like, whatever. They're young, they're in love, and they were now planning a wedding and they planned for their wedding to take place on 29th June, 2013. Jordan was so excited to get married. She claimed she was the happiest she had ever been. In April of 2013, she flew to California to meet with this professional songwriter called Elizabeth Shea to compose a custom song for their wedding so that it could be memorable. Elizabeth said that Jordan seemed super excited during their meeting and that she seemed really excited for the wedding. The song was meant to be a surprise for Cody. So Elizabeth said that when they would talk about how Cody was gonna be so surprised, Jordan would like light up with happiness. Some lyrics I found for this custom song went as follows. Everyone wants a safe place to fall and you're mine. You helped me to climb higher for a better view. You're my safe place to fall. You never let me go. Despite them being so excited, their friends would make fun of them behind their back. They would take bets on how long the marriage was gonna last and who was gonna file for divorce first. Cody actually found out about this. He was so upset and he stormed out of a restaurant when friends asked him what he saw in Jordan, why he chose to marry her. His friend Cameron had known Cody since Cody was a teenager and they did anything and everything together, but especially they loved to fix cars up and race cars together. The two of them worked at Nomad Communication Services and Cameron made a statement saying, I told him not to marry Jordan. I had reservations about the relationship because it did not seem healthy. Cody was giving it his all and Jordan was giving nothing back. Her maid of honor, Kimberly, was Super excited to help Jordan plan the wedding, but when they began planning the wedding, she found that she was doing a lot of the planning by herself. Jordan didn't spend a lot of time with Cody planning the wedding. Instead, Kimberly found herself alone with Cody planning Jordan and Cody's wedding. Kimberly made a statement saying, she had asked me a couple of times if she was making the right decision. And I told her that I can't answer that question for her. I told her, if you have second thoughts about this, you need to talk to Cody about it. On June 29th, 2013, Jordan and Cody married at Woodland Hills in Kalispell. And during the wedding, friends definitely noticed that Jordan was a little off. As Jordan was walking down the aisle, she made eye contact with her grandma, Linda, who was crying. And then when she did that, Jordan also burst into hysterical tears. Her friends say she was bawling, like 
shaking her head hysterically, bawling. And when she finally got up the aisle to meet Cody, she did not make eye contact with Cody. Instead, she mainly looked at the ground. Just really strange behavior for a bride, but maybe she was just really nervous. After the wedding, the newlyweds went for a one night honeymoon to Big Fork. Now, they didn't sleep together before they got married. So Cody really wanted to make that night super special for Jordan. So before they got to the room, he asked one of their bridesmaids to set up the room with flowers and make it super romantic. Now the wedding night is something that most couples really look forward to and Cody and Jordan, especially not having been intimate prior to the wedding, this was supposed to be super special. Cody was really looking forward to it. So did they finally consummate the marriage, I guess? I mean, I feel like it's none of our business, but it matters because apparently they did not. Jordan told Kimberly that they didn't because she just didn't want to. She was way too nervous. She told Kimberly that the wedding night, the honeymoon was just so miserable and they really did not enjoy their time together. Cody had confided in his friend Jeremiah that they didn't sleep together on the wedding night and Jeremiah was shocked that that happened. He couldn't believe it and he got the sense from Cody that they had possibly tried, but it didn't really happen. Jordan continued texting Kimberly for a week after the wedding, just complaining and freaking out and sounding so desperate about the entire situation. She was already having doubts about their marriage. She sent a text message to Jordan the day after the wedding at 10.30 p.m. saying, Totally just had a meltdown. I'm completely second guessing everything. I don't know if all of this was the right thing to do. So much happened last night. I just don't know. Kimberly asks her if everything was okay and Jordan said, I just know he's gonna wanna do stuff and I'm not really wanting to. Using the my period started spiel tonight. I freaking hope it works because if I'm forced to do something, I'm going to freak out. Now, Jordan was having second thoughts about marrying Cody and especially about having sex and being intimate. Kimberly told her that these feelings were normal. It was normal to be nervous, especially since she was a virgin. It was going to just take time to be comfortable and get in the swing of things. But Jordan continued the next day saying she just couldn't pull herself together. She couldn't shake how she was feeling and she said, I haven't stopped crying since I was married. I wish someone would have stood up and asked me what I wanted because I can't go back and change anything. I should be happy and I'm just not. I don't feel like myself. Kimberly immediately urged Jordan to talk to Cody about how she was feeling. On Sunday, 7th July, 2013, Jordan and Cody, they went to their usual Sunday morning church service. After church, Jordan told Cody that she had a surprise for him. Cody's friends had also heard about the surprise that Jordan had planned for him. Throughout the day, Jordan had continued texting her friend Kimberly about how she was feeling. And Kimberly had told her that if you, know, you need help talking to Cody, if you need help with anything, you should set up a meeting with the church pastor to like talk about the situation, talk about your marriage, talk about what to do next. So later that evening, Jordan and Cody, they go to the evening church service. And then after that, they go to Dairy Bell for some ice cream and then they went home. At 
home, Jordan finally started a discussion with Cody to tell him how she had been feeling. This discussion allegedly turned into an argument as Jordan was discussing with Cody about the situation, about how she felt. His response was apparently that they need to get an annulment or get a divorce. They argued and fought and Jordan was upset. She didn't want to face the backlash of being divorced a few days after she just got married, which caused even more strain on their brand new marriage. So while they're arguing, they decide, okay, let's just go for a drive and cool off. Now this was later in the night. This was like past 9 p.m. So they take Cody's Audi and they drive to the Glacier National Park. This park is open 24 hours a day, 365 days a week. And you need to pay an entrance fee even when the entrance stations are not staffed. So they drove into the park and then they entered an area called the Loop Trail and then they parked in the car park of that area. Cody was driving, but once they parked, they get out of the car and Cody gives the keys to Jordan for Jordan to carry in her pocket. She apparently usually would hold his car keys for him and they left their phones in the car because there was barely any service in the park. And then they decided to go for a hike along the loop trail. Later that night, Jordan's brother, Michael, gets a call from Jordan. It's about 11 p.m. Jordan tells him, me and Cody, we got into a huge fight and some friends in a dark car with out-of-state plates came and picked him up. Jordan was so upset and she asks her brother, please, please come and spend the night with me because I don't think I'm going to be able to sleep alone tonight. She also speaks to her friend Kimberly. She tells her about this fight and to Kimberly, she says that Cody had actually scratched her during this argument and she just didn't want to talk about it. So the next day is 8th July. And remember Cody's friend Cameron, he was also his colleague at work and he's waiting for Cody to come to work. And he's like, where are you, dude? Like he doesn't show up. Then he tries to call him and text him and Cody's not answering, which was just really unusual for Cody. When Cody didn't return home that day, that morning, Kimberly was like, oh my God, Jordan, we should go look for Cody because, you know, where is he at? Like he should have come home by now. But Jordan was like, no, no, no. I'd rather wait to see if he's going to show up for work. So she calls Cameron at about 4.30 p.m., basically when work is nearly done. And she speaks to Cameron and she says, hey, did Cody come into work? And she tells him about the night before, how they had a fight. And Cameron was like, hold on, what? So Cameron then goes driving around. He ends up driving to Cody's house first and he looks inside, but no one was home, not even Jordan. He then phones different hospitals to see maybe if Cody got into an accident, if he was hurt and nothing turned up. So now his parents were notified that Cody was nowhere to be found and they reported him missing to the Kalispell Police Department. Then Jordan and some friends decide to go driving looking for Cody, right? But her friends said that during this drive, when they were search supposed to be searching for a missing Cody, Jordan was like giggling and laughing instead of being concerned about her husband. Jordan then receives a phone call from Sergeant Zimmerman down at the police station and he tells her, can you come down for an interview? And then later that night, Jordan goes down to speak with the police. Now, investigators at the time were really sus on Jordan because she did not even report her own husband missing. And then the story about the fight kept changing. It was different to what she had told friends, what she had told her brother. 
She now told police that she did not know where Cody was and the night before when he disappeared, he had texted her and told her that he was going to be picked up by some friends and was gonna be going out with them. Then she says that he actually left earlier the previous day. He didn't leave in the middle of the night like she told her brother. And he had actually left when she had gone to a house to pick up a phone charger that she used to babysit at. Then on July 10th, Jordan and her mother went down to the police station because Jordan got this really weird, suspicious email from an account named Tony 607 And this email, guys, confirmed her husband Cody's death. Okay, okay. The email read, My name is Tony. There is no bother looking for Cody anymore. He is gone. I saw your post on Twitter and I thought I would email you. He had come with some buddies and met up with me on Sunday night in Columbia Falls. He was saying he needed to be with his buddies for a bit and take them for a joyride. Three of the guys came back saying that they had gone for a ride in the woods somewhere and Cody got out of the car and went for a little hike and they are positive he fell and he is dead, Jordan. I don't know who the guys were, but they took off. So call off the missing persons report. Cody is gone for sure. Tony, peace. The detectives thought this sounded really sus. I mean, who wouldn't think this sounds sus, guys? Like, who the hell would send this email? And then they ask her, do you know a guy named Tony? And then why the hell are you not more concerned? She stated, you know, I just don't like to show my feelings in front of people. So they asked to see that text message from Cody where he said he's going to be meeting some friends. And she's like, oh, well, Cody and I, we sit together every night and we delete our text messages together. So the police was like, all right, all right. So they sent a subpoena to Google to try and get the IP address for this car man, Tony guy, who sent the email to Jordan. Later, they tracked the IP address. You guys already know. To Jordan's parents' house. And that email was created on July 10th. So then Jordan decides to go to Glacier National Park to conduct her own search with her family and friends. Her friend Hannah said the drive up there was her waving her hand out the window, her wearing Cody's sunglasses, driving his car, acting like nothing happened, dancing to music, laughing. When they get up there, Jordan's search party puts up missing posters and looks for possible places where Cody could have fallen, but there was no sign of Cody. They return the next day, but this time Jordan's moving a little bit differently. She headed down the loop trail in a specific direction. When others would say, hey, let's look over here, or he might be over here, let's go this way. She was like, no, 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 I know where he is. We have to go this way. She kept saying, I just have a feeling. I have a feeling, guys, a feeling. So they end up going to the loop trail where there's this 300 foot drop. Jordan jumps the safety wall and goes and looks over the cliff, like where if you were standing there, you could see straight down to the bottom. Her friends say she knew exactly how to get there. She did it like a pro. Then Jordan yells, there he is. I see him. There he is. Jordan's search party then alerted authorities who were really surprised that they found Cody. One of the things that Jordan said was that the Holy Spirit led her to Cody's body. That's how she found him. She said it was a place that Cody wanted to see before he died. Now, obviously the police found this very, very weird. So the police arrive, they bring a team to go down 
and make their way down to the body, down the ravine. And just like Jordan said, there was Cody. 200 feet or 60 meters below was Cody's body lying face down in the water. Her brother, Michael, collapsed when they confirmed it was Cody and he just broke down. His body was badly, badly hurt. It looked like he fell face down, head down first, and he had injuries to both arms and his head. His right eye socket was crushed and he had a seven inch skull fracture. Multiple ribs were broken and this one, his heart was torn open. They found one of his shoes in the water and a piece of black cloth, which police believed was used as a blindfold on Cody. One of the officials found a wallet nearby and the body was officially identified as Cody Lee Johnson. After photos were taken, Cody's body was airlifted out of the ravine. A few days later, a memorial service was held for Cody and his family was devastated. His friends were devastated and Jordan spent a lot of time on her phone during the service, more so than mourning her husband's death. Now, the entire case was so strange, very strange. So the FBI opened an official investigation. They reviewed security cameras from the Glacier National Park entrance. And at 9.17 p.m., footage showed that on July 7th, Jordan and Cody entered the park together and Cody was driving. Then they had footage of Cody's Audi leaving the national park, but this time Jordan was driving alone. Jordan was questioned once again, and this time she told the same story about the fight at home and the dark car that came and picked Jordan up with some out-of-state license plates that took him for a joyride. The police clearly did not buy her story and told her about the CCTV footage, the footage that showed her driving alone in uh, Cody's Audi. They told her about the email from Tony that actually came from Jordan's parents' house. The fact that she sent a text message to one of her friends the night before they went to the park, telling her friend that she was going to talk to Cody about everything. And if she didn't hear back from Jordan, then something bad had happened. Confronted with all the evidence, Jordan finally broke down and admitted to pushing Cody off the cliff. Jordan said she was really unhappy after the wedding, that because of her religious upbringing, she was terrified of having sex with Cody. She said that night they went to the National Glacier Park and they went to the Loop Trail for a hike. Jordan told Cody how she felt and they began arguing. And Jordan told Cody how much she hated when Cody talked to her like she was a child. She told Cody she wasn't happy and they argued while continuing their hike. Cody allegedly grabbed Jordan's arm and she yelled at him to let go. She didn't know what he was gonna do next, so she brushed his hand away and then pushed him backwards with both her hands. Cody fell face first down into the ravine and died. His injuries were so severe, they were similar to a car crash victim. Jordan then walks back to the car, gets in Cody's Audi and drives home. After her confession, Jordan was arrested and charged with murder and her trial began on 9th December 2013 and Jordan pled not guilty. She was charged with second degree murder and lying to the police. The prosecution presented evidence that she intended to kill her husband of eight days. Eight days. So many witnesses took the stand talking about how much Cody loved Jordan, how 
badly he wanted to start a family. The defense, on the other hand, painted Jordan as this innocent young girl who just wasn't ready for marriage. And what happened the day of the murder was an accident. That Jordan didn't tell anyone that she lied because she didn't know what to do. But suddenly, before closing arguments, Jordan suddenly changed her plea to guilty. She eventually accepted a plea deal for second degree murder in exchange for full transparency about what happened. The court sentenced Jordan to 30 years behind bars. She was also given a five year observation period after her release. A couple of years later, her lawyers actually appealed the sentence saying that it was just too harsh and she deserved less, but this was rejected and she is still in prison. This whole case is so wild. Like, I still don't know if she planned to take him to the trail to kill him or if it was like a spur of the moment thing and she got angry and like pushed him away and he fell. I mean, I find it weird to go hiking so late in the evening. Is that normal in America? Especially at a place where you can die if you trip in the dark or like get seriously injured. And then at a park where you have to like pay entry to even get in, like the dangerous places here have like these fences and stuff. And I know they say Jordan stepped over the safety barrier, but why did her and Cody even step over that? How did she even get Cody there? I've read some theories, you know, about the blindfold, how he had a blindfold on. Remember Jordan was saying she had a surprise for Cody, right? So I read that perhaps she told Cody like, I have a surprise for you, baby. And like made him think there was something sexual gonna happen or something romantic was gonna happen on this hike. But it's like, if she wasn't willing to do it on the night of the honeymoon, what made Cody think that she was gonna do it in the wilderness in a glacier national park? Why not walk in your local park if you need to cool off? Why go all the way on a hiking trail, dangerous hiking trail at 9 p.m. at night? Like. I wouldn't even do that. I'm such a big wuss. Like, who knows what's out there at night? I do, well, I can believe that she was that afraid of having sex though, because I've heard about this a lot. A lot of girls, especially really religious people, they, sometimes it's like, what do you call it? Like, what do you call it? What do you call it? What do you call it? Like when it's in your, what do you call it? Like ingrained in your mind that, you know, sex is such a bad thing and you should never have sex and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden when you're married, they're like, okay, now you can have sex. And it's like, well, you've told me my whole life that sex is horrible and I'm going to die or something. And then now you're like, so just please burn your husband every single day. Like, no, like, of course that's going to traumatize some people. And I do believe that maybe she was traumatized. She was like, get this penis away from me. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh my God. I don't know. Anyway, I'm saying, I know it's like a thing for people to be raised believing sex is a bad thing. And then, you know, I can I can believe that she was um, afraid. What do you guys think? Let me know your thoughts below. What a tragic situation. Poor Cody, all he wanted was to have a wife and kids and then that happened. Thanks so much for watching guys. And I will see you in next week's video. Besitos. Mwah.